Welcome to the Three Thirds Mike One Third Scouts podcast, episode number 18. And I'm joined by my fellow podcasters, Mr. Simon Mann and Mr. Ross Smith. How are we both? Very well, very well. I've had a, I've had a better week than Phil Foden. <laughs> yeah, I've made some green ones. Yeah. I'm not sure I have, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't debut for England and I didn't meet any strange ladies on the night out, so... I don't know if, I don't, I don't know who's won there, to be honest. <laughs> uh, well, so, yeah, true. I mean, true enough. first off, so I've got I've got one question. You um, are you directing this to DIY Sai? The DIY Sai, yeah. I mean, Man and Smith ele- Electrics. <laughs> the uh, they moved into a bit of uh, shelving this week, and uh, I... so you. I, I mean, social media was flooded with triumphant images of you um, putting up shelving this week. I erected three shelves, went to the timber yard to buy the wood, drilled in the brackets, placed the, the shelves, spirit level on to make sure it's all... Then Blinda... Well, Blinda sort of helped me a lot throughout. It was a team effort. <laughs> I was incredibly proud. Proudest thing I've been... The whole house is the thing I... I, I mean... I, I think I, I really took control of it, I felt. I sort of led on it. So, so from... Yeah, I'll just paint a picture as well. From social media, you put um, a time-lapse video... Yeah. ...of you erecting these. So, from now, what you're saying is, I like to imagine that this time-lapse was happening. And from the majority of the time-lapse, it is just you. But I like to imagine now, Belinda just stood behind the camera like a director... <laughs> shouting instructions <laughs> and you following him like a monkey to be honest no no we were, we were stood next to each other most of the time teamwork um, and yeah it was these three shelves and then we put a lot of books on them so a good a good heavyweight this is the, the shelves went up gosh they must have gone up Friday I guess is it Friday best best book that went on the shelf um Oh, good question. Um, I would say there is. We've got a cooking book by um, oh, who's it by, by Snoop Dogg. Oh, I've yeah. seen that. Yeah, so I think that's the book we're, the <laughs> that Blinder's most proud of. <laughs> <laughs> I would say Jimmy White's autobiography for me, but you know we're into different things. So that's um, the best book. What's what was the heaviest book? Oh well, well there are some there some there's some pretty heavy cookbooks. Oh, so um, it's mainly a cookbook show. Which room of the house is this in? So it's sort of in the room sort of next to the kitchen. It's in the dining room. Classic place but, for a cookbook. Yeah, and Blinder just Blinder owns a lot of cookbooks. Um, so all our books basically are cookbooks and sports autobiographies. Look, I mean, you, you say that as if that's not a classic mix, Simon. Yeah, exactly. Um and and a few sort of crossover. If if there any any sports people bring out a cookbook, then we're we're pretty confident we'll buy it. And then when Frank Lampard writes his books as well, presumably you've got all them. <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, so yeah. So the shelf, I was really proud of it. And then this afternoon, I, was, I walked into the dining room and it just crashed down in front of me. The bottom shelf. Two. So two of them are still up. Bottom so one. you actually saw it fall down? I saw it fall down. It was almost like it oh. waited for me to walk into the room. 
That I've is. right in front of me. So this morning, I could see the bottom one was a little, it sort of come out a little bit. And I thought, oh, it'll last 24 hours. I'll sort it out tomorrow. Um, which was a mistake on my part. Um, and I'd had the bottom one had been the hardest one. I don't know why. The wall just seemed to be, it was harder to drill into that bit of the wall. I don't know if it's like it's closest to the fireplace. I don't know. I'm just speculating. But, so what are you put? What are you putting the the failing of the shelf down to? Oh, poor poor workmanship on my part. I'm I'm taking the blame. I'm going to own it. Um, completely my mistake. Uh, so that's, that's what that's what elite DIYs men do. Exactly. That's the elite mindset that uh, Smith and Marn Electrics. Have. <laughs> they own the mistakes. Yeah, <laughs> and they go with it. Uh, well, that's what we'll say when we're Smith and we'll say. Look, you get what you pay for, and you know. <laughs> if it goes wrong, we'll we'll put our hands up and say, "Yeah, it went wrong." <laughs> yeah, we don't know what we're doing. We won't give you a refund, but <laughs> we, we gave it our best shot. <laughs> so yeah, put, putting up shelves, how it looks. And so I've been to B and Q. I bought some bigger nails, so I'm going to have another go at it tomorrow. I'm hoping the bigger nails will give it a bit more sturdiness, but. I mean, and I'm thinking maybe put a third bracket underneath that bottom one. So the other two look good. The other two, I think the other two will, you know, outlive my time at the house. Oh, wow. What you have to be really careful. I mean, what you have to be really careful of, Simon, is if you start drilling more holes into that wall when there's already stuff in that wall, the last thing you want is the vibrations of the new drilling to knock the shelves off. Because, I mean, if you're trying to drill that wall... I'd not not even thought about that. And then, <laughs> and then two top shells fall on you while you're currently drilling in. That's going to work. Oh, what a way to go! <laughs> so this is, uh, I mean, what you thought was a simple repair, Cheesy's thrown all all kinds of permutations in. Yeah, wrong. I mean, the way you're talking, Cheesy, you're thinking maybe it might be worth me trying to top. Maybe, maybe it looks better just two shells. Uh, well, either that or you buy a big cabinet to put under that third shelf so it never falls down ever again. Oh, gosh, that <laughs> me. that's not a bad idea. You can put anything in the cabinet then, can't you? Put more books in that. Yeah. I but mean, you could, this you is, could just, you could just is, prop the cabinet out of the pictures. This is why you need to brainstorm, Simon. Yeah. Just you and Belinda on your own. You, you <laughs> exactly. can't think outside the box. You, any vision, big decisions like, now in life, you any big decisions now in life, you need to involve the sports show team. Yeah. It's basically what's being decided tonight. Well, Cheesy, do you want to join Smith & Marne Electrics and Shelf Making? Well, I'm the guy that comes around to price it up and tell you what you need. <laughs> yeah, just... <laughs> just, leave you, just leave you... No, no. All the rest of it out. No, 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 not beforehand. You come and fix the, the issues that we've oh, created okay. by doing the job. I'm customer service, am I? Well, yeah. when they complain to us, me and Ross will go around and see the problem and then we'll say, right, and then we'll have a group phone chat. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll, and and we'll, we'll get Belinda to, to film it and shout directions <laughs> at us from the eyes. We'll say to them, cabinets and torches, that's what you want. <laughs> 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 so that was a, a demoralising moment for me today. I can't believe it waited for you to until you. I know arrived. that's the incredible thing about it. Had you been out and then you came home and it. it I've been out loads. Well, I mean, yeah, it's open. It's Friday. That is. Uh, that is. It's got. It's gone Friday to Tuesday. I mean, I'm glad you put a shelf up with com- comedic timing. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it was yeah, it's heartbreaking. There we go. A good Tim, timber yard in in Haywood, by the way. Cut it, cut it to the length, cut it to the right size for you. Absolute legends. Couldn't, I couldn't oh, recognise it more highly enough because I know you've had trouble sourcing, uh, sourcing uh, your outdoor seating arrangements, Ross. But that place you know in Haywood was, was brilliant. Yeah, I should have gone there to begin with, shouldn't I? Yeah, couldn't recommend them highly enough. Cheddar, how how was your week? Uh, well, uh, funnily enough, when we talked on the last one about golf, I've been twice. Oh, so, crazy golf. We, yeah. Very crazy. How, so we went... We, uh, to, so we were going to go to the one at the... Um, we've been to the one in the Primworks a couple of times, but the the problem that they've got is it's, as soon as you go in, you have to go up the lifts. And um, when we went the time before and the time before that, the lifts were broke. So we had to redirect resources that we were going to go to the outdoor one at the Trafford Centre, uh, but that was pretty much fully booked up. I mean, uh, let's rewind a minute, Cheezer. I've been to the one in the Trafford Centre inside. Paradise Paradise Golf Hour. Oh, yeah, yeah I've, been, I've been to that one. Near the yeah. cinema. You can walk up the stairs. Yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, no, not that one. The, the one in the print works. Oh, oh, right, okay. So, Sorry. I, so this was like two weeks ago. I built the day up for Grayson. Yeah, we're going to go back to Crazy Golf. This is the one that we've done. Grayson was really happy, shouting like, oh, we'll do the course that we've not done before. We literally walk in the door, the person sat on the stool right at the bottom of the lifts. Lifts are both broken. Can't, can't go up. I thought, I can't go from the centre of town to the traffic centre. We didn't have enough time to get back, to go and do that and then go and pick Esme up. So we then went to the one in the traffic centre. And I was going to take him to the dinosaur one because every time we drive past the traffic centre, he sees the dinosaur one. But we couldn't go because it was fully booked up. I did not realise that. And I didn't realise it was still going to be busy like a week in, a week in September. So we had to go to the one inside, which was pretty much empty. There's nobody in it. So, um, we... well, I mean, if that's the dream, though, isn't it? Oh well, yeah, because uh, Grayson can retake as many shots as he wants. Um, well, even even if you're without a kid, we're going when somewhere's quiet. Oh yeah, it was great, and even even today when we went, it was great. But I mean, I thought well, we might come to this one more often. So we we the lady said, oh, you might want to choose the uh, the two courses, the one on the left or the one on the right. So we the lady said, oh, the one on the right is a bit easier. So we we did that one. So we sat there, we went to that one first. Grayson puts his ball down. Um, I lined him up, ball between the feet, and he gets sorts his hands out, and he just sinks a twelve foot putt. No, oh! straight away. There we go. Walking. I was like, I mean, Rory McIlroy is looking on je- in jealousy at the minute. Oh, I could have. I wish I. I wish I would have filmed that. And then we went round, and um, he got he got two more hole in ones, um, and then probably in, and nearly had the, and like hit the rim of a couple more. I was like, I could have had five hole in one. He only I only won by four shots. <laughs> Grayson McElroy. <laughs> <laughs> I only won by four shots. And because I didn't get to rub his nose in it this week. Well, you have to concentrate on the final hole, <laughs> weren't you? You to it away. He's he's still very much of the more is more is better. So every time I say, "Oh, Grayson took three shots and Daddy took three, Grayson's like, "I win." So we just keep that going for a little bit. Doesn't he really need to know what the score is like in golf yet? He thinks he's winning. That's fine. So how uh, how disappointed is he when he gets a hole in one? Uh, no, he loves getting a hole in one. He loves getting it oh, in. Right. He, just oh. he just doesn't. Un- he just doesn't understand that. That's that. Oh, he doesn't, he doesn't think. Oh, really? I really failed at this hole. Yeah. 
Oh, yeah, but that, that's what I'd say from your point of view. Surely he's trying to miss because he really wants to maximise his shot chances. And you're only beaten by four. And you're I, trying I, to I, get I, it in. So how bad are you, Chad? I think the only reason why he ended up, I ended up winning was because after he got one of his only ones, he, shot, he got a five the, the whole after. <laughs> I was just levelling it out, a two, a three every now and again. If I didn't play very well. As great as erratic, he's all over the place. He could, could take him either six shots or one. I mean, I can guess what's on your Christmas list this year: a, a mobile putting green. Well, oh, funnily, you could get one of them. Yeah, that'd be perfect for you. I should have took a picture of this before. But there was an advert in a magazine that somebody had posted on Twitter or Facebook, and it was like make your own crazy golf course, which was basically somebody putting down an open crisp, an open empty crisp packet. Um, I like a bit of tinfoil that had been like scrunched up but then flattened back out again and then the underside of an umbrella and somebody said make your own crazy golf course at home I was well, like when me and um, friend of the friend of the show Tom White used to live together we used to play flat golf all the time we were, you know those uh, you know you can get like a put um, a putter and a like plastic ball and then we put it we just put like pint glasses on in, on the floor in various parts of the flat, and then because the, the flat was quite an odd shape as well, so you could sort of you had to sort of get around corners and stuff. I Many, mean, you, you were ahead we were, of your yeah. time because that is very that is very big on TikTok. Oh, oh gosh, well, we were ahead of our time, yeah. And we we used to have yeah. many an evening be spent doing that. Great way to fill yeah, your yeah. evenings. But unfortunately, we won't be able to go now. I've told him we won't be able to go now until um, until October after. Until you <laughs> get to like ticking the boat. When when you go to book it, he says if you want to play both courses and just tick this box, I'll just be going on my own. So all- <laughs> Look, Grayson. Look, Grayson. Until I've learned how to get only one in every single hole, we're not going again. I, I mean, to be fair. Like- yeah, this week's podcast is going to be a bit of a rush, because we have to fit in between your training slots at the uh, yeah. at the driving range. <laughs> I love one of them. You can get one of them ones where you sit on the toilet as well, can't you? My, my, there'll just be green belt everywhere. I'll just rip the carpet off. <laughs> I did have a bit of an advantage today as well, because Grayson always goes first. So Grayson could delay the land. So wherever he hit the ball first, I was like, oh, if I'm going to get all in one, then I need to. I might need to hit it against that. Or I, need to, I, need, I, I think I beat him I'm I, mean, I, like, I like the way you say this as if it's supportive. Dad, Grayson always goes first. As if you're not sending him first so you can you can recon and see what's going on with everything. Oh, oh you want to go first? Oh, you go first, Grayson. That's what always, Grayson yeah, always goes I'll... first. No, it's fine. Convenient for There's you. There's no that, competitive it? in it. I mean, I, I I am quite good. I normally cap it at about five. So, if, I mean, there are times when you maybe get to seven or eight shots. I'm like, oh, we'll just cap that. Up, shall we? Okay, and we'll keep going. Or I'll, I'll tell him to, if he gets to about eight or nine, did you want to do this all again if there's nobody right behind us? Hey, there's no competitive in it now, but when Grayson's 18 and Cheddar Bulls are that challenge <laughs> of crazy golf wins. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm saving these cards up on top of the microwave. It's 1,568 to me, Grayson, and 20 to you. You've got a bit of catching up to do. So. Well, most, most parents worry that, um, that sort of one, of one of the other kids at their child's school will ruin, ruin the magic of Father Christmas, but presumably you're worried they'll ruin the magic of the scoring, scoring system in golf. 
I can't. I can't. What did he say to me? He said something to me in the car on the way home, or something along. Oh yeah, I think he asked me who won, and I said, "But well, I think Daddy won." But I said, "We haven't added it up yet," because that's the other thing. When we first went, he added the, he added the scores up. So obviously, the less he gets, the easier it gets. So if he's adding twos and threes up together, but if he's adding to add up a seven, then a six, then a five, then an eight, it becomes a bit more difficult for him. So we normally is that we, your yeah, score? That's my score. <laughs> He normally had both of the scores when we, when we well, actually, the, the other time we did it, it was a couple of days afterwards because I thought, oh, I mean, if he has beat me, we'll wait a couple of days before we figure out whether he has beat me or not. Jenny, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you should be a teacher. You never miss a learning <laughs> opportunity, do you? It, it was a bit too close for comfort. But he, I think he asked me whether he'd won. I said, I don't think so. And he got a bit upset. And I said, Grayson, you are only five. I said, I am 35. I've got 30 years of more experience. <laughs> <laughs> and, a bit, and, and a bit more, and a bit more coordination, and then he just went. He just went, he just went back to looking out the window. So, so. I mean, thirty-five, bloody hell! You know? So yeah, still right. young in golf years, mate. Yeah, very much. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I went to Gulliver's World. Of course. Did. How was that? Uh. So, yeah, so uh, I mean, we got lucky with the weather. It stayed nice and dry. Um, and we went on... Uh, so I didn't realise... I mean, I, I suppose I should have realised, but there's quite a lot of rides at a theme park, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, but I didn't, I didn't fully appreciate this. I thought we'd get around it quite quickly and we'd be going on rides two, three times, but we managed to get around about three quarters how, of the How busy park. was it? Uh, busy enough for you to know that you were somewhere, but I wouldn't say it was packed. I mean, one of the big problems was, like, they put people on rides dependent on group sizes, so they leave spaces between people. Oh, yeah, sometimes. Um, So then if you're in the queue and there's, like, a group of eight in front of you, you'll move a lot quicker on, like, if there's four groups of two, because then there's space and everyone out in four groups of two, so... did yeah, you know, was, it was you? like we got on... no, we left him at uh, with yeah for the bet he wouldn't have appreciated. So presumably it's, it's set you up nicely, yeah. but you and Teddy could go and do some. Uh, Luke and Claire could go and do some, one of the smaller rides, or were they all? Uh, are Luke and well, Teddy sort of on the same level of ride? Well, no, because Luke, so Luke, Luke couldn't go on some rides because he wasn't big enough. So Teddy could go on everything with an adult, and a. Uh, Luke couldn't, couldn't go on everything. So there's sometimes that Luke was quite disappointed because he wasn't big enough, but he got over it quite quickly, luckily. So me and Teddy did most things. And then, uh, so the main ride at Gulliver's World is called Ant- the Antelope at Warrington. It's like a yeah. roller coaster. Um, so I said to Teddy, like, but you can't, you can only really see bits of it. You can't really see, you know, like when you go to um, Alton Towers and you queen up for Nemesis. And all the way around the queue, you see all the ride, don't you? So it builds up that kind of anticipation. So the queue for this, you can't really you see sort of the queue ride. You almost underneath it, don't you, if I remember correctly? You sort of snakes yeah. up. Yeah, well, no. So, what, so where you queue, where, where you queue post-coronavirus is along this wall, this hedges. And all you do is hear it, really. And then you get through the hedges, and then you're in the actual, like, you're pretty much ready to go. So I said to Teddy, do you want to go on it? Because he was just about big enough. And he said, yeah. And I thought, right, okay. And I said, but it's going to be a bit of a cube. So if you want to do it, we'll have to go now because it was getting towards the end of the day. He said, okay. So we went in the queue. 
so I thought, right, okay. I'm what I, my worst fear was that we'd queue up for forty five minutes and then he'd get to it and go, I don't want to go in it because I thought well, then we'd just waste the forty five minutes. So I thought, right, I, I'm gonna do everything I can to just distract him from everything that's going on around him. So I give him my phone, I put Netflix on, and said, put however you want on. So we queued for about 50 minutes, and eventually we got perfect. on. This perfect for an episode of Last Dance. <laughs> well, exactly. Uh, he, he, was, he was saying Scotty Pippen's <laughs> a fool for not going on. <laughs> uh, he said he couldn't believe it. But anyway, so we got on, and then I said to him, I said, you do realise this goes quite quick, don't you? He's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But So we, we set off. And I pulled the seatbelt as tight as I could on him because I thought, the worst thing is when you go on these rides when you're a kid, because I remember when I was a kid, like you sit with an adult, the bar comes down and it goes to the adult's knees. But then when you're the kid, you've got like a foot of room, haven't you? So I thought, right, and I pulled everything dead tight as I could, went round and we're going up. And then I said to him, I thought, what I don't want is he absolutely is scared to death and he doesn't know what's going on. Um, so we went up the first we, we're climbing up and I said oh Teddy right the first uh, the first drop's always the biggest and then after that <clears throat> it's all a bit smaller after that so we went down the first drop and I'm like oh like making you know happy noises that you could like think and then I look at his face and his face is at an absolute pitch he's <laughs> just like like shocked as anything and I said are you okay and he's like <laughs> yeah. So I thought, oh God, I don't know what we're going to do here. I don't want him crying all the way around him. So I put my arms around him. I told him, I said, oh, it's all okay. And I was, I was trying to explain everything I could see coming up that was going, like what was going to happen. So we went down the next the next slope and uh, that's when the pictures got took. So at Glover's World, they've got like a policy that if you're on the rides, if you're over three, you have to wear a mask on the rides we all had these masks on. So on the picture, there's a picture of me with my arms around Teddy, and even with the mask on, you can still see the fear oh, in God. Teddy's face <laughs> as he's going around. But uh, so basically, so we got all the way around it and we got to the end. And I was like, oh, did you like that? He's like, I think he didn't mind the, he didn't mind the speed of it, but it's like the mighty shakes him. And he said, yeah, but I've hurt my tongue. So I think it shakes him that much that he's bit his own tongue. And then he's hurt himself, but he, he, he enjoyed it. So, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it was good. It, I mean, to be it. fair, Ross, that is complete role reversal of me and Grayson. Grayson is laughing his little head off as we're going around these rides. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, oh, my God, I'm going to fall out. I'm going to fall out. That is literally what happened the last time when we went to Legoland. I was like, I'm a bun- I, I literally I thought to myself, I'm going to fall out of this. I'm going to fall out of this. And he's, he's laughed to laughing his head off, Grayson. It's completely the opposite. I mean, we... We went on that, and then you know the caterpillar ride that goes through the a- the apple. Everyone's been on that, haven't they? This classic. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we went on that afterwards, and he was it, it, like afterwards that he was like, "Oh, this is a baby's ride. This isn't for me." So I thought, "Oh, all right, big balls. <laughs> well, they've been on one ride. <laughs> Not make out as if this is this is your bread and butter. You've been on this all the time." Yeah. So no, it's a good weekend. It's quite a warm day. Kids liked it. That's all you could ask for, really. And then, uh, and then, Sunday start of the uh, start of the Dynamo season. Oh yeah, yeah after the, the longest preseason. 
Yeah, so we have, yeah, so we started pre so we got beat five two, which is a great start to the season. Now I've had a bit of a cold this week. Um so I wasn't feeling a hundred percent when I went into uh, the game on Sunday. Um so I said that at the start, and then I started playing the first half and I felt all right. And within twenty minutes we were three nil down. Which was a bit of an issue. But then we managed to bring it back to 3-2 at half, half time, which you can imagine everyone's ears are pricked up and everyone's feeling a bit excited that we're going to go on to win this from 3-0 down. And then literally the halftime break killed me off because then we started up again. I couldn't breathe at all. And uh, we had quite a few people who'd been out on the last the night before and who only had 50 minutes in them. So... After 50, 55 minutes, we made three changes to the back four, which, as anyone would know, that is suicide <laughs> in terms of what you're doing. So we we end up getting beat five two. So but have you not, have you have you yeah, gone up well, a league though? Have you gone to? Yeah, so we went up a league. But so this is the thing. I mean, I was looking on Twitter today. This, um, I mean, this is this is incredibly sad, isn't it? There's a there's an actual Twitter page out there that is dedicated to the league that our Sunday League league, and um, when coronavirus hit, they worked out the points per game for what had happened oh, previously, classic. applied it to what would have happened, and then did a what the, the expected end to the to the league table. So I beat you for expected goals. Well, they didn't do expected goals, just expected so points. What, so even though you've not played a, a, a team already, if you'd played them before and beaten them, you got three points for the reverse fixture? No. So basically, we worked out that we'd earn, I think we'd, from what they've worked out, that we don't like 1.83 points per game, something like that. And then they basically applied that to oh, the rest of the game okay. where you would have finished. So we, So they worked out that we would have finished third. So we finished third in our league, which wouldn't have, which wouldn't have got us promoted normally because it's the top two that goes up. So we would have stayed in our league. But then we've been promoted. And then the first game we played a team that normally finished third in the league above. Well, hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. You've missed a big bit out there. So if you came third, but only the top two got promoted, how did you get to go up? Because the league's kind of got... uh, Because the team's dropping out and getting... Because... Teams drop out of wherever oh. they are, so then they condense leagues. So they move, they move three or four teams up. So they've all changed it. So we moved up to Division One instead of Division Two. So this this team have been in Division One a long time, and they they tend to finish third or fourth quite a few years. So they're a decent team. So we end up getting like five two, which I didn't think in the end it was that bad. We did all right, but we kind of fell apart. But yeah, we'll see. We'll keep, we'll keep working. And what was the age range like? Of the I mean, the worst thing... You weren't caught out by them being young again, were you? Uh, I mean, I don't know, because the guy that played up front, who I obviously he was playing centre-back, who I know, he was ginger and had a big beard, so and he looked quite old. So I, I, at the time, I was thinking... And I he didn't, well, wasn't too much quicker than me. I mean, I attribute age to being quicker than me. If someone's quicker than me, I think they're younger <laughs> than me. If, if I'm quicker than them, I think, well, they can't be younger than me because <laughs> if they are, then they're, they're doing something wrong. 
so he wasn't quicker than me. So I thought, oh, we're all right here. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, they, they were all right. They weren't. The, they weren't. I wouldn't say we played better teams. We just fell apart a bit. Motivation went a bit. So I don't know. Well, we haven't got a game this weekend. Surely you've been calling for extra training now. <laughs> even well, if, even if I mean, it's just big... running around for eighty minutes or ninety minutes. Well, it's a big push. This it's a big push this year. There's, we've got quite a few uh, dedicated people involved, and um, there's a there's a there's a want to do like a baseline fitness test so we can see how we've improved our fitness as the season goes on. So the challenge this week is to run a five k and put your time down. Is a uh, is a five k really the best thing to? Surely it's a bleak test. Yeah, but we can't really do that. So the five k has been asked for. I mean, the last time I ran a five k, and I mean we spoke about this in the podcast. I did it in thirty five minutes, and that was five months ago. I've done a lot of drinking I mean... since then, and not a lot of activity. <laughs> so. I, I, I dread to think the time I'm going to post <laughs> for the 5K. Can you not just get so, somebody else to run it for you with the with the? Uh... Well, the worst thing what the worst thing was tonight in the in the group chat. One of the a lad that's joined us new, and it, honestly, he's stick thin. He's had no body fat on him at all, and he plays right back. And he's about he's I think he's 18, 19, 20. He's he's dead young. So he posts his 5K time. 31 minutes, and I thought, if he's posting 31 minutes, God knows what time I'm going to post. I mean, I'm going to need an hour dedicated to this run tomorrow. And if I break, if, I, if I'm if under the hour mark, that, that'd be good. So, yeah. We'll see. I mean, I'm more than happy to run as you pace that, Ross, if you want. Of course, yeah. You, you, you were joking away at I wouldn't keep up, mate, with your times. What you what you've been I haven't posting. done it. I haven't done it since. But I thought to myself, oh, I will try and do it this week. But I just haven't got around to doing it yet. Well, I've got to go tomorrow. I've got the times have got to be in tomorrow night. So tomorrow's the night. It's all or nothing tomorrow. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what I do. I'll um, I'll, I'll keep you informed next week of my times. If I'm under 35 minutes, I'm going to You're running around where you live, though, because, I mean, you're, you're in a very you're quite hilly area. I mean, to be fair, it's, when I've run it, it's pretty flat. Yeah, yeah, it's hilly where you live, Ross. I, yeah, I cycle to Ross's the other week to get, a, uh, to get um, a screwdriver. It is very hilly. Yeah, so that's the problem. So I'm, I mean, if I do post a bad time, I'm going to use that as an excuse. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at the elevation gain on Strava and I'm gonna point that out. Because when I when I did mine when I run past my old school, I, did, I mean I never used to realise this when I used to walk home, but I realised actually from where I end up starting or where I joined the road to where I get to the top, there's quite a bit of elevation. That's normally the bit with this where I decide I'm just gonna stop for however long I'm gonna stop for, and it's always like the last thirty seconds of that. I just like I can't I can't even I'm struggling just to move my legs anymore, and then I manage to stop for a bit and then I'm off again. Well, I'm- well, I mapped out a five k circuit on a on a on a website, but then I was looking at it, I was thinking, God, if I go that way, then there's like two really steep hills, and then it's mainly downhill. Or if I go the other way, then it's kind of gradually uphill, and then it's a few downhills. So I didn't know which way was best. Do, do you just do two steep hills, or do you do one big long uphill? I mean, the one big long uphill is a bit of a you don't really want to be doing that, do you? No. So we'll see. 
Anyway. I tell you whose who's career's uh, gone downhill in the last couple of days. He's Mason Greenwood and, uh, and Phil Foden's. Well, it's gone down in the football stakes, but in the last <laughs> lads' lads' stakes. Lads will be laughing. It's skyrocketed, hasn't it? <laughs> so, they're, they're, they're a topic of discussion tonight. They are indeed, yeah. So, we will have a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll, be, we'll discuss all things England. I mean, the game has just finished and by the sounds of it, we didn't miss much. Um, so, we will, we'll have a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk all things England. Welcome back to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouts podcast, where we will um, pick on the top story of the week, um, which is obviously the England shenanigans that's been going on out in Iceland. Uh, and then we will um, move into um, what feels like a, a strange sentence to say, but the start of the brand new football season. I mean, we- I've got a theory that uh, Mason Greenwood and Phil Foden just got a bit bored of hearing about Lionel Messi. <laughs> well, the, the secretly, the, the Barcelona president's been uh, trying to get anybody else to take the limelight away from the uh, Barcelona. Yeah, they just looked at it and thought, you know, oh God, I'm sick of this transfer saga just seeping out and seeping out. Should we just do something to set the attention away? And I mean, maybe, maybe it was the Barcelona president. Maybe it was Lionel Messi. But I mean, they've, they've certainly got people talking about something else, haven't they? We have. So, Phil Foden and Mason Greenwood were away in Iceland with the England team um, after the game on, was it Saturday? And um, they clearly uh, got bored um, with whatever was going on, with the chat uh, that was going on um, with the rest of the England squad and through the magic of social media had managed to um, get the attention of a few uh, ladies from Iceland uh, and managed to get them into the hotel. Um, So, um, as as I understand it, the hotel was split into almost two separate bits. So there's the bit that um, the people were staying in, then England had booked out an entire wing as part of the coronavirus bubble that they had to have as part of the UEFA rulings. Um, and the uh, ladies from Iceland had gone into the, the the public bit of the hotel and Greenwood and Foden had come out of the bubble because um, there would have been obviously much more implications if um, these... Uh, Foden and Greenwood would have managed to sneak these ladies into the into the bubble. It would have been, I think it would have been a lot of a, a lot more heftier punishment. I would have said than than probably what's happened to these two. Uh, so is it just a bit of like like we said, lads, 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 or is it a bit more than that? Do we think? <laughs> I mean, it's a bit stupid on there, and you know, I think they're probably the two people who are you know on the fringes of the England squad just making the way. They've probably given themselves a bit of a, a bad mark again. Uh, you know, Gareth Southgate will probably a bit, bit annoyed, feel his trust has been broken a bit. And there is this whole sort of coronavirus thing going on that sort of adds an extra layer to why they probably shouldn't have done it. I must admit, I'm always very sympathetic with. I, I always just think if you're going to make 18 year olds multimillionaires and, you know, constantly tell them that they're amazing then you can't be surprised that they're going to do... You know, just teenagers yeah. things. I just, I just sort of feel like... That's no, always I, like a I mean, I, I mean we, we, we spoke about it the other week, about... Um, when we said about uh, football stars being role models. And I mean, yeah, I, like, look, 
they've, they've acted incredibly, incredibly stupid like, in terms of what they've done. But, I mean, Joffre Archer, I mean, what's the full... We've not even... The full stories came out about what he did, but apparently he went to... And I'm not saying getting two women in from Iceland is more worthy of breaking a biosecure bubble than <laughs> going to see your dog in summer. But, I mean, it's, the, it's not... They're not the first sports stars to represent England that have broke these kind of rules or, and they won't be the last and yeah they are Mason Rumor's 18 and Phil Fonin's 20 so they are incredibly young in terms of what they're doing I mean I don't know how, how exciting or boring it is to be away of England but they've done what they've done I mean they've been sent home from the squad I mean what thing is they're both young enough that it's probably only going to harm this round of fixtures, isn't it? And then they will be back. If the performances carry on the way they've been going on, they will be back in the England squad again. It just means that they probably both... They phone and start the weekend and, Mason, and Greenwood came on. Yeah, yeah. 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 So it just, probably means, it just probably means to Mason Greenwood that he, his full England debut will be delayed as opposed to... I mean, it's, it's just... It's naive and it's stupid, is it? Like it's happened. Like I say, the fact that they are both eighteen, twenty-one, they've got another ten, fifteen years of football ahead of them. Hopefully, at the highest order. There is going to be no England aren't going to condemn them too much. Manchester United aren't going to condemn Mason Greenwood too much. Manchester City isn't going to condemn Phil Foden too much because they know that they're going to be such a commodity moving forward. So. I, mean, I think the, the bigger thing is, I think if it, I think if it was, I think the problem is as well that Foden and Greenwood have both been away with City and United, uh, City and United in Europe since lockdown in bubbles. So it's not as if they didn't know what, like what the rules were. That's a bit, I, I like it was the first time away, all right. That's, but they've both been away in Europe with to Lisbon or wherever the the Europa League finals were or wherever it was. So it, it's not the first time that it's that they've been away from. From the team, the other thing I couldn't quite get is, is how did, did somebody not notice they were gone? That's the bit that I didn't really understand. I mean, they, I don't. I don't, I know, I don't yeah, know. They must have, must have like put the put the pillows under the duvet to make it look like they're in bed or something. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, 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 gone for an early night's sleep. I mean, Phil Foden got very mad. He's a former teammate of Yaya Touring. You know, he's like in a WhatsApp chat. So I, you know, you can see how the, the, their club environments maybe haven't prepared them for uh, with a professional. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the issue is that they got caught in a way, and that uh, you know, in the modern world, these girls were sort of Snapchatting these videos, and these pictures emerged, and so everyone sort of found out about it. in In the nineties, I imagine, I imagine England away days in the nineties. You know, the dentist chair before Euro '96, all these sort of stories that come out in the books afterwards. And you know, often, often these things, I just think, just don't make it to, to the public attention at the time. Oh, no, look, I'm not in disagreement with you, but I think it would be remiss of us to say that when them things happened, it wasn't in the midst of a global pandemic. No, I, I, it was really stupid what both of them did. <laughs> look, I, 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 I would say, I don't think that four people meeting up in one, one hotel room is suddenly going to spike the next second wave of coronavirus. It's not going to be the be-all and end-all of coronavirus, but it is, it is a stupid... Especially, they must 
they must have been told the rules. They must have been told exactly what's expected by Gareth Southgate and whoever is in charge of England in terms of what's expected during this trip and what the expectation. And then to, it is... I mean, the thing is, it's the first time it's happened with either of them, so you can put it down to naivety to the extreme, can't you? If it happens again, then, you, then, then you're then starting to say, yeah, you, you, you're being morons now, aren't you? You have, to, you, have to, you have to ramp it up a bit and say, yeah, it's not naivety, it's, it's this. Yeah, I think but, that's a, a, a fair. I can't. I don't think they'll get picked in the next squad, though. I think they'll end up spending the next break in the under twenty one, back in the under twenty ones. Yeah, but what? My, but I, I, I don't think that really damages them, to be honest. It's not like twenty six, twenty seven, and they're just coming through. They're eighteen, twenty. Yeah, like yeah, said, yeah. They've still got ten years of England playing left in them. So, I mean, yeah, people might think of breaking the England all time England. Uh, Capture record, but that's that rarely happens. Most people, most 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 people gain like 50, 60 caps only if it's going to be an England regular, and then it kind of dwindles off. So I don't think it's really going to harm any of them in either way. But yeah, look, I'm not going to go too hard on Mason Greenwood because I mean I've been 18 once, and you go away on trips and you get some female attention, and yeah, you do kind of want to do things. So it's that's I just what happened. I thought you say you go away when you're 18 playing up front for England. I was like, I missed the chapter of your book there, Ross. Uh, I, I, I tried sneaking into a Sengor and Ericsson squad, but you won't have me. The old Alcock chosen instead. Crazy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, look, yeah. I mean it's one of those things. And it, I think and the right punishment is that they miss they miss out on future England squads and they miss out on this, like the game that's happened tonight. And then you go from there. But like like, like you said, Gareth Southgate's not going to punish him. He's not going to never pick him again because he knows they're going to be big futures for England. And United and City aren't going to punish him that much because they know the massive parts of their future. So, Okay, so we'll move on. So we'll pick um, Foden and um, Greenwood and we'll talk about the Manchester club. So it is this week sees the start of the new season. And before we quickly go on to the teams, obviously the announcement today, which seems very late, that every single game will be on the TV in September. And then there'll be another announcement for the games in October next week. Do we think that's the right thing to do? To carry on what was Project Restart? Yeah, I think while there's, while there's no fans in the stadiums, I think it probably is right that, that people are able to see the games at, and, you know, it, you know we, haven't, we still haven't really returned to normal. You still can't go out in the same way. And if, you know, if there are more restrictions in place that means, makes it harder to go out, then having the football on the telly is something to, to watch and something to happen. And, yeah, yeah. so I, I, I think it is sort of broadly the right decision. No, I massively agree with it. I've said, I've said, I've said before that the, the model of the way we watch football is out of date. And you need to look at more clubs selling their rights to matches in terms of I mean I think the way Sky the way we the way it's done now and like I said like I've said in the past like Sky picking like Burnley versus West Brom as your Super Sunday for ninety percent of viewers out there that is not a Super Sunday. That is that is just dross being served up on the TV. And I think this the pandemic has highlighted that viewers of football want to watch things in different ways. And like I said, the, the way I've said in the past as well, the, uh, when it was at Christmas time, when Amazon Prime had all the games over Christmas and they showed, the, what was it, the 10 games 
simultaneously and they were delving the depths of what could be determined as football punditry in terms of who they got on. But that is how people, people just want to watch their team now. People just want to see football in that way. They're not, they will watch whatever is on them. I just think it is, we are, I think we're, I think we are slowly going to see a shift in terms of viewership, how, how football is viewed and how it's, how it's broadcast in terms of what we get. And I mean, this is a, I know it can be distributed to the coronavirus in terms of fans out in the stadium. So all games are live, but I think we're going to see, we get, we are going to see micro steps in terms of that direction where, because it is, I, I mean, I'm going on a rant now, but to me, it, it is not fair that Saturday three o'clock kickoffs aren't live in England uh, for the Premier League, but in every other country, every other country around the world, it is possible to view them. So I don't understand why Spain get to watch most of our football live, but the people in England who actually should care about it the most, we don't get to see it. Uh, it the it moment, doesn't make the moment the moment you told me you've been drinking before the show, Ross, I knew that you'd... <laughs> there was going to be a rant at some point, and it was just a case yeah, but... of when, when not if. Yeah, but I've, I've not, I've not said anything that's completely controversial. Surely you must agree with what most of what I've said. I think the whole part about the the three o'clock blackout was to make sure that people were still going to the ground. Was that? I'm sure that, but that can be the yeah, only. Three o'clock yeah. blackout was. Out, but how long ago was that? 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, but, if you yeah, think but about I, it, in a low leagues, I think it does really matter. Like, so my, uh, I suppose twice I'm going to mention him in one show, but Tom White's a big Matt Town fan. And I remember him saying that if Matt Town's game, you know, if they're playing on a Tuesday night or something, and either City or United are on TV, it really impacts Matt Town's crowd. And, you know, I think, I think that is a big impact for, for lower league teams. Is like, There's a lot of people that go to watch the football and actually we say to them, oh, well, you can, you can say, stay in not spend that money, it'll be on the telly. It'll have a big impact on, on lower league football and their attendances, which is basically how these clubs survive, I think. But then I think, I think that's hypocritical. Uh, uh, sorry. But I think if you're doing that because you can't watch your big team, you're going to watch a small team. Why are you going to watch the small team then? Well, some you're going to watch a small team for the atmosphere. But... Yeah, but you're not going to, like, I don't, I, I don't, on a Saturday afternoon at three o'clock, I don't go and watch Salford City religiously or Bury when they existed because I can't go to watch United at three o'clock. So it, you're going for the experience of being in an atmosphere and being in a stadium. I, th- I don't. I, I disagree in terms of. I think that's. I don't think if if United were playing at Saturday three o'clock, that then you would suddenly stop people wanting to go to lower league football because I think people who go to lower league football want the atmosphere and everything that's associated with the fact of going to a football match as opposed to just watching a game of football. Otherwise, you wouldn't go and watch Macclesfield Town, would you? You're not going for the spectacle of the football that's going to be on offer. You're going for the fact you're in a crowd and you can have a pint in the ter- or you can have a pint in the concourse and you can get a pint at half time. Bit of a sing-song. Yeah. Otherwise, you just, you just find a live stream on YouTube or dodgy stream on the internet I, I, yeah I disagree I think I think I think low league football would survive because they can get off with something that Premier League football can't and that's the it's the it's the kind of local it's the local this is this is accessible this isn't accessible it's, the, it's not it's the corporate oh, no, one, one taken away I, isn't it 
one thing I do like is when there's a, a lot of Saturday three o'clock kickoffs. And one of the things that did annoy me a little bit in Project Restart was you sort of because all the games are on TV, so they're all in these different time slots. So you don't get the sort of moment of all oh, the results coming in at five o'clock on a Saturday. United have got a win. City have got yeah, but... City have drawn somewhere. And you know, you get don't get that moment where it's like uh, there's been a six point shift in, in the league table. Yeah, but do you know, I think that's been lost forever though. That's that's been lost for a while, hasn't it? Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, already there was too much football on TV. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember growing up, that I used to go shopping with my mum in the after, like to Manchester on Saturday afternoon. Then I used to get home and used to stick on BBC and used to watch final score rolling. And it used to have most of the most of the games on. Whereas now, but even when you watch Match of the Day now, you can watch Match of the Day on a Saturday night in the last three games. Yeah. Well, that's ridiculous, isn't it? But you're getting Danny Murphy's charisma then as well, aren't you, sir? <laughs> oh, well, jobs are good in then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sorry, I feel like I've got a rant for the last 15 minutes. Just, hey, just a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what have you it's moving gonna on to? It's going to be an exciting season. I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to it. Uh, which, which teams do you think will do well, uh, Cheesy? Um, Why did well, you ask me that question? Have I not spoken up, Simon? <laughs> Well, we already know the answer to your question. Is you think that <laughs> league? Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I, well, be, I think it's going to be very interesting to see how Chelsea get on, how they line up, and how they manage to integrate everybody into the team. But I mean, on paper, they've got a very, very strong team now. Um, Big pressure on Lampard, I think. Oh, huge! Yeah, I just say that huge. I'll let you speak, you Jesus, but I, a huge, yeah. You still think I still think he'll get. A, I think I still think he got a full season. I think he still think he's going to get a full season, regardless of what happens. But you've got what to think you, that you can't be what, scraping into the four last day of the season. Yeah. What, what What do you think minimum expectation is for him this season? Chelsea haven't spent all this money. Third. But you think a comfortable third, Abramovich will be fine with that? No, I think they've got to they've got to win a trophy. They've got to win a trophy. They've got they've got to be secure in Premier. They've got to be secure in Champions League football with about. I don't know, five or six games left to go, and they've got to go quite far in the Champions League. I would have thought. On paper, they've got a quite a good, uh, they've got a quite a good team. They've got quite a good European team. So there's no reason why they can't have a, a, a really decent run in the uh, in the Champions League. It just depends, obviously, how the lay of the land goes and who they end up getting drawn with. But City are going to come back stronger this season. United have obviously got a much more settled side with Fernandez and and, and Greenwood playing practically the most of the season. Chelsea bombers well, improved. Depends who Green was Snapchats, doesn't it? To be honest. <laughs> um, so I'm a little bit. I'm a little bit where I've, I've, I listened to a couple of Liverpool pod, podcasts this week and just said, look, we, we won the league by 18 points. There's a very good chance that if we do, even if we win the league again, we're not going to win the league by 18 points. There is going to become a point where Liverpool will lose five games, six games in the season. So just enjoy whatever there is. So I'm quite looking forward to the Leeds game. I think the Chelsea game, three games, and it'll be quite a, a, a big game for us. Obviously, Arsenal have beaten us in uh, beaten us in the, uh, twice in seven weeks. So that game, the second game of the season, will be very much a, a statement of how they go. Be interesting to see how Everton do with a brand new midfield, um, and and Leicester as well, who obviously have lost Ben Chilwell, but have signed a I think a left back from Atalanta. So, well, who are you thinking, Simon? What are you thinking? So I, I think uh, I think. If I, I reckon City might win the league this year. I, I think Liverpool might get caught out by the fact that there'll be just a, 
because the season's going to be condensed a bit, there's going to be such an intensity of games that I think squad rotation will inevitably come into it. And I think that that is the one sort of Liverpool's great achievement in many ways. They managed to keep that front three. You know, you could sort of pick their team in advance, particularly defence and the attack. And they're just going to have to rotate more. And I think they'll be they'll be slightly exposed a bit at times. Big pressure on. I think. I mean, I think Lampard out before before Christmas. I could just see. I could just see him not hitting the ground running. I think there's big pressure on him. I must admit, I I think Lampard's probably a really nice guy. I think he's a bit of a fraud actually. I think what he's done in management isn't great at Derby. He took Chelsea from third to fourth. Like people are sort of falling over themselves to say how amazing he's been. I get a real pressure on him this year to to deliver. And then, and yeah, I think Leicester will follow it. I'll be fascinated to see how Everton get on, actually. And, and I think there definitely has been a, an imp, like the, their signings have been quite big names and actually quite good play. I think there's a, definitely people are prepared to come to play for Ancelotti in the way they just weren't prepared to come and play for some of their, even though they've been spending a lot of money in recent years, I think they've got sort of average mid-table players who are happy to go to Everton. But I'm very excited to see how James Rodriguez gets on. Oh, I'm, I'm, but that's because the James Rodriguez I think of is the guy from the World Cup in 2014. <laughs> they chested it down and volleyed it into the top corner. Exactly, yeah. So, so he was incredible then. So I'm excited to see him in the Premier League now, hoping that he's the same player. But it'll be seven uh, years it'll, later. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, the great thing is he's he's he, he signed him this week and he's wearing the number 19. So the amount of Liverpool fans that, that when he's keep pointing to the back of his shirt. On his on his floor, I think it's just keep with how many Liverpool, how many tiles of Liverpool won. And some, <laughs> hey, it's, surely you can give me It's not all about you, Cheezer. <laughs> no, you're not. It's making me laugh. But yeah, I think I think the one thing that Everton lacked last year was um, had some bite in, in midfield, and they seem to have fixed that with. I mean, they could quite easily play all three of them, couldn't they? From the from the off, so. Well, you would expect that that would be the thing. Is for me, like I agree with what you said, Simon. Like I'm. Not so much to the extent I think Lampard's a fraud. I think he's probably a decent manager. I think fraud's quite a harsh term. But, I mean, we've said in the past, in previous shows, that Lampard was, was lauded and praise was heaped on him massively this season in terms of, oh, he's brought the youth through and he's, he's done this. And, oh, regardless of whether he wouldn't have had a transfer ban and would have had a transfer ban, he would have, he would have brought these players through. What's he on? What's he on now? Seven, seven things, seven signings now, something like that. Havertz, like it's, it's getting to a point where you think, yeah, you, you're definitely not doing that. And then I also think to gel this many players, this quickly, would take an exceptional manager. And I'm not saying Lampard is he's, he's not a good manager. Obviously, he got Chelsea to fourth last season, which a terrible manager wouldn't have been able to do. He would. He has to have some managerial credit to get that, but I, I I don't believe that he's going to be able to gel all these players this quickly and then still see the same results that he has done. And now there's the added pressure of the fact that Roman Abramovich has spent, what, nearly 200 million? It's got to be close to that, hasn't it? So, it's come out yeah. this week, I like I was like, there's no way that there's how on earth can Chelsea afford this? And then it's come out that obviously they um, what I mean, they, everybody thought they'd sold Hazard for like 111 million or something like that. They've been they managed to get 140 million out of Madrid for him, which almost feels like more of a steal than Coutinho going to Barcelona. Well, I, I saw a Twitter thread 
Uh, that basically illustrated how they could afford him, how they could afford all this, and it, it seemed legitimate. So I, I wasn't too bothered about like how they, that they could, but I did think it's going to be very difficult for them for Lampard to actually gel all these players. Yeah, they're great players. If they do all gel, yeah, they, they should be fantastic and they should be pushing for things. But I, I can't, I can't see it happening. To be honest, I can't see this many players coming in, this many. This the gelling so quickly, so easily, and then my other, I I have big concerns for Liverpool. To be honest, Cheddar, I don't know if you share, but teams when they're on top, they strengthen constantly, and they don't strengthen squad play wise. They strengthen first eleven play wise, and Liverpool just aren't doing that. So I. I mean, I know you won it at Cantor, and I know you won it by 18 points, but you had a poor into the season. And I know it's post-lockdown, and I know the title was already kind of already won. But are you not worried that you've not really signed anyone and you've not really strengthened that first 11? And there is talk of Gini Wijnaldum actually leaving to Barcelona. Yeah, but I think if Wijnaldum leaves, it, it very much sounds like Thiago comes in. So I think the reason why we Thiago may or may not happen depends on what, Vinald, what happens with Vinaldum? So if we end up keeping Vinaldum, that I'm I'm okay with that. He played 37 games last season. Um, he isn't. Is he the most valuable player that we've got? No, he probably isn't. Uh, but then on the other hand, you probably want to bring somebody in just to freshen the team up. So if he leaves and and Thiago comes in, that's fine. Um, I think in um, in the few games that I've seen from Minamino, he seems like a different player. He seems like a different player. So he's, there's much more. Um, shall I say there's much more substance behind him this season Curtis um, Jones has looked really good um, in pre-season so yeah they're not brand new signings but I don't know who Liverpool would have to sign that would come in and play I mean they'd need to come and sign a midfielder but would Liverpool drop £100 million on a midfielder who would then come in to do the job that we would ask them to do. I mean, you could you could argue. You know, I I I think I I think you, you could get uh, Thiago quite easily. I think that could happen on on the cheaper. So I think Liverpool's biggest thing is you need to is have someone that actually puts pressure on that front three. But then, who do you go out and sign that's going to go and sit on the bench? Because Timo Werner didn't want to do that, and Chelsea are willing to pay him two hundred seventy thousand pounds a week. I think you put pressure on Firmino. You put you put pressure on out and out number nine as opposed to someone who's going to drop in deep. And I don't you, think, you, and then and then you've got you've got variety there as well. But then I don't think Liverpool play with an out and out number nine. I don't think that's how it works. I think Firmino no, almost no, plays. No, but with... I, I think that's the difference that you need. I, I think one of the problems is if you don't change your style and mix up things and what you're going to do, people get astute to what you're going to do and. Especially, I think, I, I think a lot Mane, of that will come from, me, from the Mane, midfield. Mane, and Salah have been together for what two, three seasons now, and then, but then I wouldn't, I wouldn't. But say, their I wouldn't... productiveness is get is coming less, isn't it? They're not. They weren't as productive last season as they were in previous seasons. Yeah, that but I think with Salah, mean you could... that people are working, working slowly, working team year out. Well, we play what we we kind of play one way. It's kind of worked the last two seasons ago. We got we got ninety seven points. The season after that, we got ninety nine points. So it kind of really works. I didn't think we'd get. I didn't think we'd get more than ninety seven points ever, and we got ninety nine last year. And I'm not saying we're going to get more this year, but if we've got a team that works and they've played together and they keep playing together and they keep knowing what they're doing, the biggest thing that Liverpool have had in the last however many years when we've been close to the title is we've sold the best players. So this whole this big thing at the minute, oh, we need to we need to strengthen. 
yeah, I get that we need to strengthen, but ultimately Liverpool have paid out £155 million in wages since March um, and we haven't, we haven't played a game with a crowd. So Liverpool generate £3 million every time they play at home. I mean, there's not been a crowd since March. So that money's completely gone out the window. So, and I know that might be the reason to go, well, FSG will put, put your hand in your pocket and stick us in some debt and put, and put some money out. But if they're not willing to do that and the, the business model doesn't want that, and then you have to kind of hold up and say, well, that's, that's, that's what they want to do with a club. That's what they want to do with a club. When they, when they can spend £75 million on the player that they want, they'll go and do it. But when they don't want to and they don't feel like it's right to do, um, then they won't do it. And it, as a Liverpool fan, you have to kind of just suck it up and go, we won the league. We just have to enjoy it and just get on with it. And whatever happens this season will happen. And like I said, I don't think we'll get, I don't think we'll get, we probably won't even get to 90 points. I think the league will be so close this season. Um, and City will come back better. And if we yeah. win, and if we, if we don't, we don't. And that's, that's kind of what it's going to have to be. What do you think, Simon? I mean, we'll, we'll have to wait. I, I think, I think Liverpool will, uh, well, it might be found out, by, found out by the intensity of the games. Obviously, you know, they were so good last year that even if they're really rubbish in comparison to last year, they're still going to be there or thereabouts, aren't they? But yeah, I think, uh, I think they're, they're vulnerable. It'll be, uh, be interesting to see how it plays out. How, how do you three think the, the promoted sides will get on? Uh, Leeds, Fulham and, and West Brom? Uh, I mean, I can't say I'm a massive championship talent. But I think Leeds will do all right because purely because I think Bielsa is a renowned coach and they'll kind of accumulate a lot of points. I think they'll accumulate a points at early doors. I think the other teams might struggle. Have West Brom not done the usual, they signed some players on loan, got promoted, and then they've bought them. And they signed Diagana from West Ham and I think oh, yeah. Matis Pereira from somewhere for best part of £40 million, I think, for the pair of them. So... They've, but yeah, they've they, done the. They spent all the, that money to get to basically as strong as they were last year. Yeah. Yeah. So they'll do. They'll do a Norwich. No, I think what well, Norwich spent when they came up four million pounds, whereas Aston Villa spent over a hundred million pounds. So it would just depend on what what ultimately they what they want to do and how they continue to play. But I can't. I don't know. I feel it, it feels a bit harsh because I think what what rosters. I don't really know Fulham inside out, but from the team that they were a couple of years ago, they only everybody kind of faltered towards the back end of that. Um, season and, and Brentford could have gone up and it ended up being Fulham in the end. Um, I, think, so I, I think Scott Park has helped fail, to be honest. The thing is with Fulham, I think they're very reliant on uh, Mitrovic's goals. Yeah. And Mitro- Mitrovic is one of the, I think he's just one of those sort of kind of um, sort of championship legends who, you know, in the championship just bangs him in every week in the he's Premier a Billy, League. He's a Billy Sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's one of these types of players that in the Premier League just can't quite do it. You know, Dwight Gale, Vidra used to always be like that. He'd always, you know, these lads that carve out a really good career banging in 30 goals a season in the Championship, but whenever they come up to the Premier League, can't quite do it. And I think Fulham are really reliant on him for a lot of their goals. So I, I think Fulham and, and West Brom straight up, straight back down. I think Leeds probably will stay up. And then it'll be interesting to see, you know, I think South, Southampton had a really good second half of last season. I think they'll do well. I think Newcastle will do well. So then, you Newcastle know, West have done, Ham- I mean, we talked today, Newcastle have done really well in the transfer market, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, I think they do. I think they've, they've, got, they've got some good players. Callum Wilson, you feel like they'll, you know, he'll score goals for them. And I, he, Callum Wilson feels like the sort of guy who just does really suit being a, a star striker at Newcastle, doesn't he? 
I can yeah, see Newcastle yeah. fans really getting behind him. Yeah, what well, I want club town that just wants to someone really to benefit and do well. Yeah, no, it's it, well, they they took the number they took the number nine off Joel Linton, haven't they? And given it to Callum Wilson, so that tells you everything you need to know about Joel Linton. Well, yeah, but then uh, the, the, I mean, you look at Newcastle; they've got Sam Sam Maximan, haven't they? I mean, the Longstaff brothers are yeah, both I'm not saying the world beaters, yeah. but they're, they're exciting in terms of the northeast. And when when where the northeast get, get behind players, then I think it tends to do better things. So. Well, they, 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 should, they, should, they should they should have been bottom. I mean, we look what was it expected goals? They should have been relegated last year, shouldn't they? So they need to score. They need to score some more goals. They've got they've got a fairly decent goalkeeper in Dubravka. They've got a fairly decent back line with Lasalles and stuff. They've got a quite a good leader. So, um, I mean, the I one thing, like, yeah. the one team we not fully spoke about is Manchester United, Simon. Yeah, well, I mean, it's the great unknown, isn't it? I, don't, I I really don't know what to expect from United this season. I think we'll you know. We ended. We had that superb starts project restart. It feels like we stopped playing about two weeks ago. So yeah, I don't know. Are we still going to be tired? Will there be more signings still to come? How will Maguire react? How will Donny van der Beek um, fit in? Will Pogba stay fit? And it's just it just feels so many unknowns about United going into the season. How, how, how still, do you feel? Still so, working on three signings. I, well, I expect more signings. Yeah. I expect Sancho still. Who you, who else do you expect? Uh, is, expect? It not the, is it not the left back from Porto, Alex Telles or whatever, something like that? We've been linked with a few left backs because there's a Real Madrid left back who was on loan at Sevilla last season who we've been linked yeah. with quite a lot. And um, I, I expect a centre half. Um, see, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. In in my head, I. I like the Donny van der Beek signing. I think we said last week I like the Donny van der Beek signing. But I think that's more of a in-and-out kind of signing. Like He's, he's not going to be a starter every single week. He's, he's not going to play in front of the back four every single week. He's going to be replacing Pogba. Or he's going to be doing this. He's going to be doing that. I just hope he enjoys his time at Manchester United more than uh, Alexis Sanchez did. <laughs> well, yeah. You too. You two seem very downbeat for how you finished last season. <laughs> yeah, but I just think we've not really capitalised on it. I know I don't think we've really got about then, it in terms of addressing areas that needs to be addressed. Like, but then the, the thing team is, is for me, Nemanjatic at the minute is the base of that. Um, is it the base of that midfield? And the only other person that comes in there for me is Scott McTominay, and I don't. To me, they're not the same player. It's not. It's not replacing like for like. But then Declan Rice has been linked heavily and heavily and heavily with uh, Chelsea, and I don't know why United are into Declan Rice. Because he's probably not somebody that somebody's willing to pay sixty million pound for. But you think not... he's willing to pay sixty million pound for him? Because West Ham won't let him go for anything less than that. Yeah, but how old is he? Twenty three, twenty four. But you, you, so you're paying sixty million pound for a ten year career if you keep him for ten years. So that's six million pound a year. So that's a bargain, then, isn't it? But is he is he United's first choice? I mean, you two have got you two have talked a lot recently about United. If United, if it's not the first choice, then I mean, they're holding out for Sancho. If they don't get Sancho, then they might think, well, we might get him in January. We might get him next year. But no, I, you, I, th- I think we have to get Sancho this time round, and we're not getting him. But what I'm saying is. 
we haven't got a set defensive midfielder. And if it, if we have got one that's it's even Matic or McTominay, who's pushing McTominay on? Because there's no one else coming in from McTominay. So then we have to have someone else. Then There must be somebody that's better than Declan Rice and can spend £60 million on, surely. Were you telling me someone? Oh, I don't know. I haven't got a clue. But I haven't got to see that. I'm, I mean, I'm I'd not... actually, I'd like to see that like, get rid of a few players as well. You know, they've still, still got the likes of, you know, it was, it was all trailed that every club in Italy wanted to sign Chris Small and he's, he's still not found a new club. Rojo's still not found a new club. Pereira's still not found it. You know, and there's a few players United would like to, would like to move on as well. I, I am, a, I just, it's just a lot of unknowns. I, I, I feel like we, we will probably only win the league by about 15 points. <laughs> yeah, I am being downbeat you're right but everybody else gets 50 points you know I get 65 is that it yeah so I mean you got, very, your, very glass is half, your glass is half full Simon <laughs> but I think that's it I don't think anybody I don't think anybody wants to spend money there's no similar situation to to Liverpool and the fact that we can't seem to get rid of... I mean, we've talked about Harry Wilson on the on the WhatsApp group today. We can't seem to get rid of Harry Wilson. There's not really many people putting in bids. We seem yeah, to but you're, yeah, but regardless, of, you, you're talking about promising youngsters that you can't really seem to get bids up. We're talking about absolute deadbeat 26-year-olds. <laughs> it, it isn't a comparison, Cheddar. You, you can't say we're not getting bids for Harry Wilson, who's a 21-year-old, and someone will take him off your hands at some point. We've got Lingard, Pereira, Rojo, Smalling, Jones. I mean, that's just off the top of my head. That's five players that we're, we're absolutely hemorrhaging money to and we can't get rid of. We don't want, and no one else wants, because they know they're absolute crap. <laughs> You're talking about promising youngsters you can't get rid of. It's, you can't, it's not a comparison. No, you, you called me arse. You called me arse, Ross, for saying yeah, Dump, Lampard was a fraud. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know you, you. I mean, you should have more understanding, Cheddar, because you've been a Liverpool fan through the noughties. I have, yeah, you're right. I mean, I just, I don't actually. I mean, I would, I would, I'd keep Wilson. It wouldn't really matter. It doesn't really matter to me whether we, I think we will get rid of him, but it doesn't really matter whether we keep him or <laughs> we don't. I mean, the biggest annoyance for me as a United fan, I'm not asked that we've not. Well, I'm not bothered that we've not. Um, we may not necessarily sign people. It's the fact that we're dilly and dallying about things. We've been linked to so many people, and we're not linked for no reason. Sancho should have been a done deal three weeks ago, essentially, because it's not going to change. We're not going to suddenly get we're not going to suddenly get Sancho for seventy million, are we? We're going to have to pay whatever Dortmund want if we want him. So if we want him, go out and pay that. The Donny Van der Beek deal was, I, like I said, I think that was done because Edwin Van der Sar is on the board. At, Ajax. So we, we've, we've paid that. And if we want someone else, we need to go and pay. It's, to me, it's, it's the annoying, it's the dilly and dallying. We need, just need to get things sorted. We need, to get the, we need to get back to being a club that's just efficient at transfers. Sit here, this Nathan Ake was available if we went and got him. I'm is not saying that was a difficult transfer, but... Is but, there somebody that you would have signed this year that, that a different team has signed? That, if that makes any sense. Is there somebody you would have liked at United who has actually left? Because it's all, it's all well and good saying oh, we need we need this person, but if they're not, they're not. I mean, this. Yeah, but Chelsea got, have signed seven, six, seven, eight players. I mean, United signed one. Would you? I mean, would you want anybody that, that Chelsea have bought? Kai Havertz. No, yeah. I, no, I, I, in I, many I, ways, 
in many ways, I think actually United would be better. As a United fan, I'd almost prefer it if somebody else was in the running to get one of these players. Because then United would have to pull their thumb out and just pay the money and get them. Instead yeah. of doing what Woodward does, which is, and look, maybe Woodward will prove us all wrong and he will get Sancho at the last minute for half the price that was initially quoted. But you feel like he'll almost inevitably end up paying the price that it would have been a month ago. And, you know, this could all have been sorted. And, you know, he could have been training with the United yeah. before the England friendly. Yeah, this is my big thing with, with, with everything Woodward does. It's not, it's not the fact that you think... Uh, it's not going to happen because I ultimately think it will happen. It's the fact that you just think, well, it's going to happen. So why have you not just done it quicker? That that's always the thing I think we will do. Like it's 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 not like you're not gaining anything from dragging something out, or it's like, it's like a really crap tactic in like mind control, like like making someone like hopefully they've got a short term memory. They only remember something a week ago. So if I drag something out for four weeks. Fans won't remember what was happening four weeks ago. It's just a really crap thing to do. So I, I, I don't. Uh, yeah. I mean, Simon, I've got to say, I love you. I love your optimism. But you still think this Sancho deal's got? I thought the pair of you they still think this Sancho deal's got eyes <laughs> completely dead in the water. I think United. It's not, it's I think not dead because every every everything you listen to is not dead. It's just basically waiting for Woodward to go yes on hundred twenty million. I just don't know why we're not doing it. Don't know why we're not doing it. Anyway. Are we moving on to other sport now? Because we've... I mean, to be fair, obviously... (laughs) Let's just quickly round up other sport. Let's round off with the cricket. And the Tour de France, because I've not watched six hours of Tour de France in the last two days, not to talk about it. Well, I'll tell you what then, Ross, you kick us off with the Tour de France before we move to the cricket. So, Tour de France then. I presume you've all been following it. Well, loosely. The lad from Berry had a good start and then fell apart, <laughs> didn't he? <laughs> so, the lad from Berry kind of had a good start. Uh, so, well, he... He had the yellow jersey for a week near enough, didn't he? Yeah, but he, he... Do you know why he got the yellow jersey? Uh, lots of penalties, I believe, and lots yeah. of maybe lots of crashes. So Julian Alaphilippe, who I said might be a contender for the te- for the tour, um, who who had the yellow jersey, he took a he took a drink from his uncle, who was his trainer, in the last twenty k of the stage, which is against tour rules, so it incurred a penalty, which meant that Adam Yates um, got the got the jersey. So Adam Yates. Then started, whose main priority was riding for st- uh, stage wins, then started riding as a uh, GC rider um, and did it okay. But then it suddenly started getting tough because he wasn't prepared for that. Um, but then the big thing now, so Adam Yates isn't in yellow. Primoz Roglic is in yellow. And he's a, a Slovenian fr- from Slovenia, obviously. Uh, <laughs> but the big thing is, in the past, in the last few years, the main thing is the Team Sky or Team Ineos, as they now are, uh, they've dominated the peloton and they've basically set the pace and made it too hard for everyone else to actually compete with them. And then their leader has basically stayed drifting or drafting in their slipstream and has then gone on to win the Tour. The big thing now is Team Ineos aren't that strong and they can't dominate a race. 
And the only other team that are out there that is a team, Jumbo Vista, that have kind of a strong team, but they don't seem to be able to dominate each stage and take it to the end to actually promote their leader, which is Primoz Lockridge, uh, to stage wins or to taking up time or to taking time out for anyone else. So Primoz Lockridge is in yellow and he's only in yellow because he has won stages, but he's won. Uh, when you win stages, you get bonus time, bonus seconds, and he's only in front in the terms of the bonus seconds he's actually won. So the tour this year is very exciting in terms of the fact that it's getting onto the climbs, which has been in the Pyrenees this weekend, uh, and all the GC contenders and riders have been left on their own, so it's been a, basically a race between them to see who is going to be best. Um and Primoz Lokic has got a bloody good kick on him and has basically been able to win the stages. Um, and it's, it's, it is fascinating this year because even the flat stages, they've kind of designed them. So I don't know if it's fully Luke or actually Foresight, but uh, crosswinds coming into play. So echelons are being created in the peloton. So then that means if you're not at the front, you're getting dropped and you're losing significant time. So... Every single stage matters in this year's tour, and it is absolutely fascinating to see not see one team dominate and to see leaders have to fend for themselves and actually have to race their own race as opposed to just rely, uh, rely on domestiques to do a lot of the work for them. So I don't know Rock. who's going to win. Julian Alaphilippe, that- who I predicted last week, is going to be an absolute... Um, is going to be up there, is 41 minutes behind. So whatever I said last week makes no difference to what I said this week. <laughs> but yeah. Is that, because, is that because of his penalty, though? Because that's what I meant to ask you. How no, big no, 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 no. No, so you got, got a 20-second... Basically, you got a 20-second penalty oh, when okay. he was in yellow. Uh, and then, I think it was the, de- the next day or the day after, he basically, his legs must have gone. He went on attack and then dropped right down. And he must have lost five minutes, and then the next day he really lost time. He lost he lost the like half an hour of time. So he, he is really out there. So he will he, he'll be going for stage wins if anything. But no, it's it's fascinating to watch this time around because you have no idea what what is going to happen or who is going to be dominate the race. Whereas in the past, you've seen Team Sky when it's been Chris Frooms or Garrett Jones on Egan Bernal when he won. You've always seen them on the front, and you've always seen them dominate. And you've, it's almost it's almost inevitable when you see them on the front that it's going to end up in the way you think it's going to end up. But this time round, no team has really domestiques or really the riders to actually continue that pace up to where they're going, and then leaders are just being left isolated on the road, and everyone's looking around and seeing what's going on, and racing is actually happening. It's, it's who's got the legs on the day to see what's going on. So, yeah. It's, 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 we're in the second week. We're not in the Alps yet because it's a few uh, flat stages, but then we'll be out soon. And then, yeah, it'll be, it'll be fascinating when we get in the Alps. That's I mean, just, qu- just quickly before we move on to the, um, uh, before we move on to the cricket, Simon, uh, it kind of feels like oh, that's what's happened to in the F1 this, this weekend where Hamilton got a massive penalty out to kind of do the second half of the race from the back. And it was pretty much. Uh, I think the first time since 2012 that one of the top three teams has not won a Grand Prix. So, very interesting, both in the Tour and in F1 this week. Um, Simon, the cricket. Yeah, the cricket, they're the, the bubbling along. England won the uh, the T20 series against Australia 2-1. Do 
Josh Butler opened the batting, looked uh, looked really good. And uh, yeah, they, I think they're playing a bunch of one-day games starting on Friday. They lost uh, the final T20 game, but England played quite a rotated team. So I don't think it's, there's much to, to read into it. So it's, uh, so it's all sort of set up for the, for the one-day games. And I feel like Australia, who obviously hadn't played any cricket for ages, have now had a few games to sort of get their eye in. So Mitchell Stark looked really good in this final T20 game. I mean, a lot of the questions coming out of this tour is, uh, is Joss Butler the best short form batter in the world? Oh, yeah. I I, I mean, he's been brilliant. And when he's in form, uh, he he looks pretty unstoppable. So it's uh, it's a very exciting time. And it's all feel like just just enjoy him while we've got him. I mean, do you always think that when um, there's a lot of talk about who's the best best batter at this time, it's, it is based on form and it's never really a... It's always dependent on the, their last innings as opposed to... A, yeah, I mean, I think years, you're, if you want to like really think about it, I think you have to sort of take a step back and look over sort of a, a three or four year period and, you know, and the consistency of someone like Coley and, you know, De Villiers. maybe. Yeah, and Kane Williamson. You know, those guys have sort of consistently been backing it up for a long time. So, so you know, it's, it's interesting. But I think right in this moment, if you were picking a team, you'd want Josh Butler in it. There was that stat about David Moan that I couldn't really get either. That was, he's, I think, in the first, stats in the first, first 14 T20, international T20 games, he's at eight. Eight scores of fifty or plus. I was like, I didn't. I never once thought he was a T Twenty player whatsoever. But they always no, yeah, he had his test debut. But his, yeah, his stats are incredible. And uh, yeah, he, he got some runs. He didn't get a fifty tonight, but he, again, he got some runs. So he's sort of making it. So they're sort of going to have to pick him, I think, if he, if he carries on as he is doing. Yeah, and then a couple of a couple of things just to round off. Um, obviously, it's the start of the NFL this week. Um, they and it's also now going to be on Channel Five. So not only have Sky dedicated a channel to it, uh, there's obviously the shows that's going to happen on BBC. Uh, the game that is on Monday night, which I think I say it's on the telly, it's on at midnight on a Monday night. I think uh, normally about twenty past one. Uh, that will be shown live on Channel Five, and Channel Five will have its own uh, magazine show as well about it on a Sunday morning. So NFL getting some more coverage. Can I ask, you, then, quick, can I ask you a quick question? Have you two ever watched this Tour de France highlights package on ITV? Yeah, um, yeah, I have done before. Yeah, oh, really? I just, I just wondered how how interested you two were in. I mean, I've not watched it this year at all. Oh, okay. I've carry on. Lo- loosely followed the uh, followed reading it on the BBC Sport website. And you've listened to my extensive. Oh well, and you're, yeah, and then your extensive coverage. You're my go-to guy. I think I, I don't need like, to watch it. I am like Chris Boardman or David Miller or <laughs> yeah, Peter Kenner. You play yeah. the Ned Bolton role in my life. <laughs> the Gary Imlet to your. <laughs> and then a bit of a celebration for the show as we finish that we've we've hit four hundred listens this week. Boom! No, oh, that's magical quite a number. Well, thank you very much. Four hundred, four hundred disappointed times people have tuned in, expected <laughs> some fun <laughs> entertainment, and not received it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Well, we, so, we, so people we, are people are still struggling to find something to do in lockdown. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? You'd have thought someone would have suggested something more interesting than us, but clearly there isn't. At some times, 
Well, we've got till furlough ends in October, so we're all right. We can keep going till then. <laughs> oh, that's when you're saying the numbers will really die off. <laughs> well, we've given them a bumper show tonight. It's about an hour and 40 minutes tonight. Oh, I know. Yeah. Mainly because I had a drink and rabbited. Indeed. Right. Well, I'll have to call it that because I need to go to sleep now. Yeah, okay. I've, got, I've got a shelf to put up tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, DIY, uh, it's been a pleasure. What's the time frame on that? 12 hours, 24 hours? I mean. I'm hoping it to get it done by the next pod. Oh, a week. Good. <laughs> you, know what, you, know, you don't want to give yourself too quick a time frame, do you? Exactly, yeah. Be it's, realistic it's, with everything that's going on. It's not how quickly I can get it up. It's how long it lasts when it gets up. <laughs> three days. Yeah, if I can beat me three <laughs> days at the last one. If the shelf's still up after four days, then. <laughs> Champagne. Right, okay. And on Let's that go. note, Goodbye. we'll see you both later. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the Three Thirds Mank, One Third Scouse podcast. Give it a like, give it a share, and let us know what you think on Twitter at Mank3. That's at M-A-N-C-T-H-R-E-E. And keep listening for more new podcasts every week.